0: Unbelievable! Cool! Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the streak in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down. God's stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now?
1: Welcome back to the podcast. Christmas is over, and we're down to five days until the fiesta South Carolina players have a new motto, never again, and that's not a joke. This is our last podcast of the year, and life is good. Hey guys, this is Nick, your host. I'm joined tonight by Ben and Cody, and we are the podcast. If this is your first time, we welcome you. And if you're a longtime listener, we do appreciate your loyalty. We encourage all of you guys to check out our past shows, including our last show, the Pod Stravaganza, um, on soundcloud.com slash podcast, or looking at our feed in your podcast app. If you like the show, search Google for iTunes Clemson Podcast, and we appreciate it if you would leave us a review. We are here tonight to preview the Fiesta Bowl happening on New Year's Eve, just five short days away from today. And before we get into that, though, fellas, which other bowl games are you guys looking to check out? What are you most excited about?
2: Well, you know, not a lot of action so far, some of those lower-tier tier bowl games. I was surprised to see Mississippi State got in there with a 5-7 and seven record. Like, if, if, you, if you're 5-7, and seven, you have no business playing in a bowl game. But So, in general, I think they uh, could stand to clean some of them up um, and get rid of some. But we are getting into this week to some more exciting times in bowl games, some big games coming up later in the week. Um, specifically for me, we've been talking all season long about the resurgence of the ACC, and is the ACC... Uh, you know, kind of for a while there they've been considered uh, one of the worst if not the worst power five conference and we saw that change this year at least there's been speculation but I think now uh, we're going to see the proof in the pudding if they do end up winning some games Boston College uh, beat Maryland today NC State waxed the floor with Vanderbilt so and it's it's not just the big games the FSUs versus Michigans or the Louisvilles versus LSU. I'm specifically interested to see how the coastal does to see if, uh, the perceived weaker division is able to carry some weight and, and beat some other, you know, big-time conferences.
0: Yeah, for me, I, I always I say caution, I caution against looking too much or reading too much into these in the bowl games or in, like, one outcome. I'll try to look, out, look at them in the aggregate, look for some some trends. And for me, I want to see – I'm looking at the, the Big Ten, Uppercust um Penn State, Wisconsin, and I also want to look at the SEC really as a whole – um, but teams like LSU, Auburn, some of the their upper crust, because I I didn't I tend to feel not not just that the ACC like you said Ben is getting better, but that I think there's becoming more parity across the across the entire college football absolutely and uh, there's maybe a little fraudulence there at the at the um, upper crust of the Big Ten I, I don't know can't I don't want to say that without seeing a little bit more evidence
2: but that's just kind of a theory Let's well see and if, we'll see and I think yeah. one game that is going to be very interesting for a couple of reasons one is because of that perceived that possible fraudulence. I think Wisconsin versus Western Michigan. You know, Western Michigan's thirteen 13-0. They could be the only undefeated team at the end of the year if Alabama loses one of these next two games. So I think that's a good test for Wisconsin. I believe Wisconsin has three losses on the year. So it'll be interesting to see the outcome of that game.
1: Yeah, probably the ones I'm most looking forward to are ones where motivation is going to be there for both teams um, coming into these games. And typically that'll happen with New Year's Six games. You know, you might get more of a lesser bowl where, both teams have, you know, a lot of players looking to get better for jockeying for position for next year, um, or they're just really happy to be there and, in general, you know, motivated for those games. But the ones out of the New Year's Six that I'm looking forward to are both the Rose Bowl and then the Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl being Florida State-Michigan, Rose Bowl being Penn State-USC. I think um, in the, the Rose Bowl, both of those teams are among the hottest teams in college football. And, you know, they're, they generally are peaking at the right time for the postseason, Granted, there's been about a three to four week layoff for both teams by the time this one's played, but um, by all means, should be a really good, uh, at least a much better game than last year's Rose Bowl when Iowa got their ass kicked.
2: Um, and, and speaking of that fraudulence in the Big Ten, Penn State being the winner of the Big Ten, I do tend to think that they are going to be representative of that, and I I expect it. Southern Cal, I know they're both hot, um, but you know Southern Cal really came on late in the year, beat Washington late handed them their only loss so I don't think it's going to be a close game
1: Um, next one I mentioned was the Orange Bowl that takes place actually this Friday the night before the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl Um, so that'll be a great one to watch for everybody Florida State uh, they you can talk about things to play for but I was looking at Bill Connolly over at SB Nation wrote about sort of breaking the season down in terms of teams rankings and if you took the second half of the year Florida State actually was number four in the country in S&P Plus overall. So they peaked to end the season. Uh, they, I wouldn't say blew away Florida, but definitely handled Florida. They gave us a tough game. Um, they took care of their business down the stretch. So they're going to be a tough opponent for Michigan, who everybody knows is right there to qualify for the playoff. Um, I think that's going to be a great game, and hopefully we'll give Clemson fans, you know, we played Florida State, Ohio State played Michigan somewhat recently. I don't know what you can take away from a transitive property standpoint, but should be
2: a good one. Are you able to pull for anybody in this game? Because I think naturally anybody outside of uh, Michigan is pulling against Jim Harbaugh, just you know, for obvious reasons. But being a Clemson fan and you know being a member of the ACC and our general distaste we have for Florida State, who who do you choose?
1: Generally, I'm not a big conference pride guy. I think you. You know, you got to be loyal to your team first and foremost. Um, and seeing Florida State win a game in Miami is going to do them tons of favors in recruiting in the state. Now that recruiting is getting harder, with a bunch of high-profile coaches getting jobs in that state, so um, I'm, I'm
2: rooting for the asteroid to hit uh, that stadium. <laughs> well, and, and normally I would say that yeah, it's probably better for your big-time conference foe to lose and give you a make you look better in bowl season. To enhance your recruiting uh capabilities but we're also going up against Michigan now for some big name guys so I I think that kind of matters a little bit less obviously FSU has you know more talent right in our backyard um but I don't know I think just generally I'm pulling for FSU just because I don't like Jim Harbaugh um and that's the reason Cody yeah I'm I'm right there with you I'm, I'm FSU all the way I do tend to wave
0: the conference flag a little bit more um you could look at pros and cons for both scenarios. It's but a double-edged
2: sword, right? Yeah, but
0: I look at Harbaugh, and I think he's got the potential to come into Georgia <laughs> and Florida from a recruiting standpoint and grab recruits year after year uh, with consistency the way that Urban Meyer's done. You know, and, and kudos to him for doing it, but you only want maybe one team from the North to be able to do that because that it maybe doesn't take away, hurt an entire recruiting class, but it does take a few. So, you know, getting back to the point, yeah, I'm going for Florida State. And uh, that that should be a really good one. Like you said, Tully, I think that's one game where both teams are going to come out to play.
1: Yeah, otherwise, you know, not too many
2: bowls strike me as incredibly interesting. I I think Oklahoma-Auburn, you know, mm -hmm. two highly ranked teams, and we kick off the season against Auburn uh, next year, obviously started with them this year, and we saw their progression over the course of the season. So I think that'll give us a nice uh, look into how good they are going to be when we, you know, lead off with them next year.
1: Yeah, another game I guess obviously people talk about is going to be LSU against Louisville in the Citrus Bowl. Um, we saw what motivation Louisville had going down the stretch losing their last two games um, of the year, so we'll see how up for this one they are. Leonard Fournette's not going to be playing. I don't know if you guys heard that at all. Leonard Fournette not going to be playing here in the Citrus <laughs> Get Bowl. Get out. Hadn't heard it yet. So, um, you know, again, may not be you know the the best-played game from both sides, but certainly very talented um, players, going in that
2: one. It'll be interesting to see how Orgeron gets that team together uh, with him uh, going in as the proper head coach next year. So I think there are some good storylines. And Lamar Jackson coming off of his Heisman uh, win. If Louisville got a hold of their game plan, you know, you never know. (laughs) They'll probably run away with it.
1: Uh, Well, great. Well, obviously, um, we'll be taking a look at some of these games. I'm sure in our Fiesta Bowl recap, we'll touch on some of the action that Um, has ensued up up until that point Uh, but let's turn to this game guys on Saturday night we get the nightcap of the two college football playoff games face off with number three Ohio State Uh, for those that don't know Ohio State is rated number three in the S&P plus for the year Uh, Clemson was number four incidentally Um, they earned that by putting up a number three defense and a number 12 offense Ohio State was an 11 and one on the year famously did not win the Big Ten, didn't even play for the title, Uh, but they got through with one loss. That loss came at Penn State um, right around the middle of the season um, in kind of disastrous fashion for the Buckeyes. Their signature wins on the year, earlier on in in the season, they went into Norman and beat Oklahoma by 24 points. Uh, They won two overtime games at Wisconsin and then to end their season versus Michigan. Um, So both of those were... Pretty well played, pretty standard Big Ten football games um, on both sides. But um, Ohio State came out with those; they finished eleven and one. Guys, what do you, what do you think about their season overall? Without getting into you know too many details on players or anything, you know, you think they belong as the number three team? I think no, I think so. I think so. You
0: can look at they their season resembled ours in a way where when you saw their upside, you, you could legitimately say, "Wow, Ohio State's right there with Alabama." Uh, maybe a notch below them, if you will. But uh, Clemson, when we were at our best, you felt like we were right there with Alabama, if not better. That's yeah, that's my Clemson bias. But uh, but overall, yeah, a little bit of a roller coaster of a season. But I don't think you can deny their talent. Um, what you see on 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 film, just the guys, the length, um, their front their front seven or uh, their front seven on defense. A ton of athleticism. They recruit
2: well. It shows. I was actually interested to go back and take a look at their schedule um, because I know they had some close uh, games and close wins this year against teams that weren't very good, um, and they also weren't that great in the passing game. I think they ranked like 79th or something like that in total passing. Um, But they were really good rushing the football, and they had some games where they blew out some people. I mean, several games where they put up a lot of points. So for a team to struggle on one half uh, of their offense and to be able to put up so many points and – you mentioned, Tully, 12th on offense in s rankings. I mean, that's pretty dang good. So, um, you know, a lot of similarities in this game. I think it's pretty evenly matched. You mentioned where they are on offense. Clemson's 11 on offense, so we're right there neck and neck with Ohio State. Clemson's sixth overall S&P defense. So, again, very closely matched. Um, Ohio State, we've heard about it all year long. we heard about it coming into the season, of how young a football team they are. Well, Clemson has 28 freshmen and sophomores on their two deep, which is about the same as as Ohio State. The difference is with this Clemson team, a lot of those guys, well, at least the sophomores and redshirt freshmen, they experienced the national championship game last year, which gives them a leg up, I think.
1: Yeah, maybe keeping it with sort of depth and experience. um, Last year, Ohio State broke records by having 12 players drafted into the NFL. Um, That can give you, and they had several others who graduated it gives you a bit of a sense for what they had to replace. Certainly Clemson got a lot of guys through into the league too. We had a lot to replace, especially in the defense on the starting position side. Um, But I think this is why you're hearing Urban Meyer trot out the, the time-worn cliche of, you know, my team is arriving early. Um, I think he, a lot of folks in Columbus expected them to have a much better year in 2017. Uh, But, you know, I feel like, yeah, they certainly have taken, um, they have a lot of guys without starting experience coming into the year, you know, getting a lot of time on the field this time. The thing is, you know, Ohio State the last 3 years has had like the number 3, the number 7 and then again the number 3 rec- recruiting class. They're replacing NFL caliber talent with more NFL caliber talent,
2: just like Clemson is starting to do as a program. And that's um, the that's the fun part about it is we know what Urban Meyer can do. We know what the Ohio State brand can do. Um, It's, it's awesome to see Clemson starting to do that as well and be able to go toe-to-toe with them. Yeah. Coming into the year, we said eight guys, we're losing eight guys on defense. We
0: weren't worried about it because when you combine good coaching with four and five-star recruits, you feel a lot better. Well, that's what they did. Um, And they also have JT Barrett, who I just realized this, or just found out this recently, he's a redshirt junior, not a true senior. So uh, even that guy's going to come back for a year. So they really might be peaking kind of like their 2014 season, they might be peaking a year early. However, what was interesting in your uh, pot extravaganza was the Ohio State friend said that they don't have the same confidence as a fan base um, as they did back in 2014. Not to say that they're not as talented, but not the same momentum uh, when they won the national championship.
1: Absolutely, I, I think if you do look at their season, and we'll get into some of these matchups, you know, and what played out on the field, but they didn't blow Michigan away. You know, they they were struggling most of that game. I think Michigan. Um, didn't put points on the board when they could have Michigan should away. have won that game yeah absolutely um, and it, then same goes for the game against Michigan State the week prior to that contrast that to 2014 they ended that year with Cardale Jones blowing out Wisconsin they handled Michigan and that year Cardale himself replacing JT Barrett who got the starting reps that year after Clemson knocked Braxton Miller out of the QB role um, so yeah it, I think it you know there may be some similarities of young guys you need to come in and um replace tenured players at skill positions. Um but I think yeah they're they're in a different spot in terms of momentum.
2: You know what the interesting part of their season is? They were blowing people away heading into that Wisconsin game at Wisconsin. And we all remember what a heck of an emotional win that was for them at uh, at then number eight Wisconsin. And then they followed that up with a loss, their only loss of the season to Penn State. And then after that they start having you know they have another close game against Northwestern. So, that's an interesting point in their season. A lot of people said after that Wisconsin win, watch out for Penn State. Um, so, you can kind of see that. Now, they did start to pick it back up again. They had a couple games in a row where they scored 62. But, yeah, they kind of petered out at the end of the year. Of course, that's I know Michigan State's not that good, but it's still a rival in their house, and Michigan's a rival, too, and a really good football team. Yeah, so
1: we can, we can pivot here into breaking down the matchup, um, but... Suffice to say, I mean, I think this is a very qualified, talented Ohio State team. It's um, very dangerous and has earned their spot here. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not necessarily, you know, they are a favorite in this game, we should mention. Um, but they're not a team that is clicking on all cylinders coming into the playoff. And, you know, we'll touch on here whether we think that um, they'll be able to improve on areas that have hurt them down the stretch, um, some of those relating to injury and probably fatigue. Uh, but we we know we'll get their best, and um, you know it's going to be fun to to face this opponent. Um, we haven't mentioned yet. Clemson did face Ohio State. Granted, mostly a completely different team, um, though one coached by Urban Meyer back in um, 2014 in the Orange Bowl after the 2013 season. Uh, that was one of the most fun Clemson bowl games in my memory, possibly a top five Clemson bowl win of all time. Um, getting the much sought after BCS win. Um, that we were looking for And seeing Taj Boyd and Sammy Watkins Finish their career And avenging the West Virginia loss in the Orange Bowl Which we won't talk about <laughs> ever again um, So you know that that's in, that's in our history Clemson is 2-0 all time against Ohio State The only other win was in the 1978
2: Is it Gator Bowl The Woody Hayes punch game I think Ohio State is something like 0-5 against the state of South Carolina or something, because South Carolina beat them two years in a row, right, in the Outback Bowl, and then maybe some other time. They haven't fared too well against the state. There you go. Solidarity.
1: <laughs> um, different, different teams, different coaches, different eras, but um, certainly they'll look for their top, their first win against Clemson here. Um, but guys, why don't, we, why don't we switch gears a little bit, and before we move on, Cody's got some words. Yeah, I know everyone's going to be interested in, in tickets to the game,
0: especially if we were to go to the national championship game. I encourage you to go to the TigerNet uh, website. Go to their ticket section where if you are selling or looking to buy tickets, keep it within Clemson circles. You know, if, you, if you're going to sell tickets, sell it to Clemson person, right? It makes sense. Um, go there also just for for coverage. A lot of... Um, interviews. Ben Boware has been really uh, has chronicled a lot recently. Um, you get to see a lot of his personality more so than we've seen in any time in his career. And uh, just a, a fantastic career, great guy. Go to TigerNet and check it out.
1: Guys, I wanted to start off sort of our dig into the dig into the content of this, this podcast um, with a bit of a hypothetical. Cody, I'll, I'll go to you here. Say you're a fly on the wall um, in the conference room where the team, the coaching staff is meeting, day after the ACC championship game, um, and, and it's the defense's turn to talk. What are the top things they're, they're covering in terms of Clemson's strengths going into this matchup, or areas that they see Ohio State maybe having deficiencies? I think up front is, is always going to be
0: a strength of ours um, with our personnel. Um, the deficiencies, I mean, it's easy. That's your, that's your Twitter-length answer. The deficiencies are going to be if they can pass, if they can find receivers, um, if they can get to the second level of our defense. Um, when I watched in the Michigan game, I saw I saw a lot of great players from Michigan. I ragged on Jabril Peppers a little bit, but I saw a lot of great guys back there making plays, athletic guys. I don't know if we have that same answer in the case that uh, they, they do get to the second level, and there will be times where they will. Um, so paraphrase yeah if we can't stop them at the line of scrimmage and get penetration which we're, we've we been known to do then it, it could be a long day for us
1: yeah I think what's on on Clemson's side here is coming in there's this statistical measure called havoc rate which has to do with on a given play um, are you causing a tackle for loss a forced fumble or a pass defense or, or a pick Clemson on one in five plays is causing havoc essentially um, I think it is possible to, to create that against this Ohio State team. And, and you mentioned up front, um, they've had some injury and they've had some actual size issues getting a push in the middle part of their interior of their O-line. I think that's where, if I'm the Clemson defensive coaches, you know, you're, you're being aggressive there in the middle of that line. Cave in the front of their, front of their basically the front. <laughs> and um, the other aspect is um, right, right tackle. Isaiah Prince? Yeah, Isaiah Prince. Um, he's actually had some ankle injuries of late. You know, certainly the time off is going to help him out. But that's, that's Christian Wilkins. That's his wheelhouse right there. Um, if he can cause pressure on that outside, they can collapse the pocket on JT Barrett.
2: And, I, and, and make I, that tough. And I think that's one of the biggest keys to the game. And you talked about uh, earlier, you asked a question about their deficiencies and maybe what could they fix here in bull practice and what they couldn't. Well, I think offensive line is not something that's so easily fixed in bowl practice. I think that's something that takes an off-season to get in a new scheme and technique and just you know, different players are not getting it done. Um, and I don't think that happens in this short amount of time. Uh, so I, I think that's a big key to this game. You know, If I'm a Clemson Coast after the ACC championship game, the first thing I'm thinking is like, man, I don't want to see another big running quarterback again. Well, here you go, JT Barrett. 6'2, 225 pounds. I mean, we're going to see him again. This Ohio State team, they run the football and they do it well. Uh, you know, they average 258 rushing yards a game this year. It's over five and a half yards a carry. They are going to rush the football. Uh, the question is do we let them run all over us or do we limit them? Make them one dimensional. Focus on stopping the passing game. If they're not, you know, if they're not getting, gashing us for eight yards or carry, or if we aren't, if we are able to contain JT Barrett, that really. Uh, puts uh, the impetus on their passing game to make plays. And they haven't really been too good at doing that all year long. And that starts with the defensive line. The defensive line, if they can stuff the run up the middle and they get consistent pressure on JT Barrett, similar to how they did to Lamar Jackson in the first half of the Louisville game, I think we find success. Yeah, so if I'm hearing this right, you think,
1: you know, let's sell out to stop the run and make JT Barrett and his receiver core beat us through the air. Yeah,
2: I would say so. I mean, I think as it has... Most of the year, the strength of our defense is in the front four. And with the amount of pressure we're able to get with just those four guys, sometimes three, that puts more guys in the secondary, more guys to, to, to help cover up our deficiency, covering at the linebacker position. And we've had an inexperienced secondary, not the most talented guys this year. So, again, that defensive line has carried us all year. They're coming back. They're healthy. Scott Pagano is going to be back, and we know the kind of push he can get up the middle. He's healthy. Austin Bryant, I think he's a guy that he did play this year coming off of injury. Um, I think he's a player that during bull practice, he can take a step and really turn his game and get back into that gear that we were all hoping he had coming into the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you on the defensive line. When I watched Michigan play
0: Ohio State, I noticed what they did. At the first quarter of that game, Ohio State was running and were moving the ball so efficiently. Uh, and Michigan has a really good defensive line, very similar to ours. Um, really good defensive ends, probably not the same level of defensive tackle that we have, but still um, a, a very similar uh, comparison there. Uh, Ohio State was able to move the ball with just five, six yards, just you know, continually. In the second quarter, Michigan just sold out, like you said, Ben. They just they put they went into three, four sets. They went into some dime packages, and put. Uh, literally put four linebackers uh, at the line of scrimmage, put a second guy or uh, a member of the secondary in there. And, and Ohio State just went, went 0-4 the whole second quarter. So I, what I guess I'm curious to see is how do we answer that? Not having quite the same athletes, I don't think, at the linebacker position that Michigan has. Um, so for me, it's, it's yeah, the, the front four's got to do good. They have to play really well get penetration, but I think you need to see a, a just a, a breakout game. I mean, just Christian Wilkins being unstoppable. Him as an example because their right tackle is injured or even a guy like Dexter Lawrence, Cleveland Farrell just having the game of their life and that could be that could really be what would you know turn the table for us.
1: Well, I think we've seen maybe not, you know, I, an identical game plan play out here, but against Louisville, you know, they, they did what they could to contain Lamar Jackson, keep him in the pocket and make him beat us with his arm. He did that at times, I think, with effective play from their tight end um, until in the second half we started to tire on defense. Um, and I think part of the cause of that fatigue happened due to three Clemson turnovers um, in that game. We might have actually had more turnovers than that. I think Deshaun had three
2: interceptions. It was like five turnovers five in that turnovers. game. No, that's a big reason. Listen, this team has, this Clemson team has done it a couple times this year where they got ahead early and they could have gone on to put some teams away early had they not had turnovers the same thing could happen in this game listen you make uh ohio state one-dimensional or put them in a position where they have to pass the ball again their strength is rushing the football if they're unable to do that it's going to be a long day for them they don't have they've got athletic receivers but they've struggled to gain separation at times this year and that you know goes to our benefit considering we've had a, a bit of trouble sometimes in the secondary especially with pass interference calls so um, again, their, their weaknesses and our weaknesses kind of match up. And ultimately, when you're the defensive team, that helps you out a bit. Breaking this, this down from Clemson on
1: defense, you know, I, I looked to the stats and um, some interesting numbers came through when I, when I looked at um, relative strengths from a, a what down was it standpoint, as well as the quarters of the game. And some of the insights I took away from that is that um, ultimately, I think Clemson needs to get get a good start to this game. Um, Ohio State is relatively weak in the first quarter of games um, on offense. They have, um, they sort of, you know, evenly go throughout the game, relatively weak in the first quarter. Um, but Ohio State's defense is actually worse in the first quarter. Clemson's defense is worse off. Their number six defense in the country drops to number 53 in the country in the fourth quarter. Uh, so that has to do with fatigue, I think, and. You know our tendency to have let teams back into games, so really it's Clemson's the number two defense in the country in the first quarter of games. Um, it is important that they do establish that early on in the game. I think a couple of factors will lead lead into that happening this time, and I believe it will come through. Um, you mentioned before experience, Ben. You know a lot of this team has played in a national championship game before, or at the very least made that trip. Um, they have a lot of big game experience, and I think they they won't come come out you know, with as many butterflies necessarily as some of these Ohio State players seeing the big lights for the first time.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, if they, if they played the same way they played in the semifinal, uh, semifinal game last year against Oklahoma and got up on them early, took the momentum, um, and ran away with it, I mean, I can see that thing happening again. I mean, you saw that almost happen in the Louisville game if it wasn't for their turnovers. So, again, if the defense is dominant, if the offense is able to do their part and gives the defense some rest, then especially with the defense coming back healthy and with this break that they've had, the defense can be really dominant and see them play through all four quarters of the game and not start getting tired and giving up stuff in the third and fourth quarter. Right, and I think I
0: think that three-point uh, spread, or the three-point spread, Ohio State's favorite, I don't think that's uh, – I think if, it, if it's, uh, you know, we're throwing punches right and left, kind of the way the, the national championship game went, I think we would actually be favored by – at least by three, maybe more – but I think it's more a reflection of the turnovers and the way our defense tends to get gassed towards the end. And I know it's, I know it's tough to say this because it, you know, it's hard to know what's going on in between the guys' ears. But we can't rely on uh, adrenaline in the first quarter. I'm talking about for the defensive lineman. I we can't re- use all of our adrenaline up that in those moments. you got to sustain it throughout the whole game. So I hope we're seeing more rotations. Uh, Austin Bryant, like you said, will be healthy. Scott Pagano, those could be... We saw last year when, uh, when Mac went down that how depth, like those little things can matter so much. Uh, hopefully Richard Yergin coming out
2: ready to play. Albert Huggins. Albert Huggins, yeah, another guy. So that, those are the type of things I'll be looking for. And, and they are going to be tested early because it's not just JT Barrett. I mean, Mike Weber has 6.1 yards of carry this year. I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal and leads the team. Um, so it's going to be a huge focus on the defensive line early. Can they sustain it through the end of the game? That's going to be a big question mark. If they can, Ohio State's in for a long night. Cody, let me flip
1: it on you. Your Urban Meyer and his offensive, his co-offensive coordinators. What are you guys game planning for? What what weaknesses or chinks in the armor are you looking to exploit? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep running the ball. Don't I don't think he. I think they they just go for it
0: and they continue to do what they've been doing all year. And they're a little bit prideful, I think, too, and in, in their ability to run it and to keep and to give uh, J T. Barrett the the keys to the car. However, I think you got to isolate our linebackers. Try to get them in one-on-one matchups with receivers. Um, J.T. Barrett's not a—he's a—he's a nifty guy. He's—he's he's your quintessential college quarterback, right? He's—he's he's got a little—he's got poise in the pocket. He's definitely—he's not a pocket passer by any means, but he's got poise. Um, he's not going to get rattled. That's what I've seen from him on film, and he'll even do things where he's throwing the ball off balance. He's not going to throw it a long way downfield, but he can hit guys again in like that—that that second level, um, those intermediate passes. So. I'm trying to get Buller and our linebacker. We'll see if that's story O'Daniel Daniel at the, the Sam position. See if you can get those
2: guys uh, in matchups against like tight ends and maybe their slot receivers. And that's been that's how most teams have found success against Clemson all year long. Um, is picking on the linebackers and coverage and in the secondary. I mean, pass interference calls and just you know, Clemson with the inability, some of the athleticism to cover. Now a big uh, key to that I think and you're gonna see Dorian O'Daniel come back with a chip on his shoulder after getting kicked out of last game He has more athletic ability than some of the other linebackers in the secondary and or in the, in the Linebacker core Jalen Williams, uh, and he's been playing very very well here towards the end of
1: the season Cody last question about Ohio State's offense here um, We haven't touched on this name too much, but knowing you've watched some of the film What's your read on Curtis Samuel and how you think Urban Meyer might get him involved?
0: Well, I was amazed at how they
1: use him, and
0: sim- similarly to uh, the way we use our two receiver, like an Artavis Scott, a Ray Ray McLeod, or even Sammy Watkins back in the day. Um, they'll have him in, in motion on some jet sweeps, and they'll they'll take him to the perimeter. They'll also use him a little bit as a running back, but I, I think he is the guy that could really wreak havoc because we're going to win our fair share of matchups at the line of scrimmage. Christian Wilkins is going to beat his guy. He's going to make a nice play, you know, and gonna, it's going to get be a nice shot in the arm, but there's also going to be times where uh, you know, Ben Boware is on a bullet blitz, and the, there's no one there in the second level. And Curtis Samuel, he's a guy, I mean, he's got the speed, change of direction, speed. He's got the, the frame. Um, I mean, I think that's something you got to look out for. Can our secondary, our cornerbacks, safeties, can they get off blocks and come upfield and make tackles? And uh, that's something I don't think it's been as good this year. Um, so I don't think there's been as much physicality in that, in that second level of our defense. So that's that's what I'm looking at. That's, how, that's the antidote, too. Uh,
1: Samuel okay we'll go around the horn with this last question guys if Clemson's to win this game who's your defensive MVP
2: oh that's a good question um it's the easy pick is Christian Wilkins just because he is going up against uh what was his name Prince uh, the right tackle um, who hasn't been at his best all year, and he could be set up for a really big game. At the same time, that could make Ohio State shy away from going to that side of the line, which could really set up Cleveland Farrell to have a monster game. So I'm sticking with the defensive line just because I think so much of uh, uh, Ohio State's offense is predicated on the run. Um, and so stuffing that, being able to contain Barrett as well from getting out of the pocket, I think it comes down to our defensive ends. Let me go – I
0: won't go Christian Wilkins either because it's the easy pick. I think we all would probably agree he's got to be the guy. But I'm going to go Dexter Lawrence, another defensive lineman. you got to go to the defensive line because I don't think they've seen a defensive line like ours all year, especially at the defensive tackle position. And if you can blow them up and just say, hey, you're A-gap, B-gap running game, it's not going to be existent, you're going to have to do everything on the edge. Then uh, that could that could be a game changer. Uh, and then maybe an honorable mention Ben Boware because I think Venable's is going to be super aggressive. Just cause <laughs> it, it's going to be great. I think it could really just deflate their whole morale if if he can make some plays in the backfield.
2: And send him early with pressure and and set the tone. Always watching to see what he does early. It's it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with both your guys' sentiment on on the line and Bullware could be an X factor. Um, someone else that I'm looking to have a good game or at least be an impact maker. Um, is going to be in the safety play. You mentioned Curtis Samuel's ability to be to move all around the field, and um, I think Clemson's ability to either contain that or um, keep track of him is going to be important in pursuit. Um, so let's throw Jajar Johnson's hat, hat in the ring here. I think he could be – certainly he plays probably more of an impact in the passing game in terms of coverage over the top,
2: but – Don't discount his speed and his ability to make tackles. And that's a guy with a chip on his shoulder from last year. You know, he he did not get as much playing time as he thought he deserved. And watching those two safeties ahead of him who were a little bit distracted and had their heads somewhere else, um, that's a guy that's come back here in his senior year and he's got something to prove. And I think he wants it. You hear about uh, the first guy they talk about that's talking about whether or not the team's focused and whether or not they're letting those distractions from last year kind of lay back it's him it's Jadar Johnson's the one that's saying that so yeah I agree and they had
0: a senior meeting early on it was just like music to my ears to hear these they, these seniors are taking it upon themselves to say let's not let this happen again kind of like a you know, certain thing in Columbia never again so um, but with with actual stakes <laughs> um, right. you know like a national championship so uh, anyway I, I'm glad to see they're coming together and Jadar Johnson's ha- really has an NFL tryout uh, which you know, he, he'll play in the league how you know can he propel himself into like a fifth round or better draft pick
1: Fellas, let's transition to when Clemson is on offense, when we got the football. Um, enough has been said, I think, about the advantage Clemson has at the quarterback position. Um, but maybe to start us out here, Ben, what do you think Deshaun Watson is going to bring into this game that we may not have seen from him all season?
2: Well, the easy answer to that is whether or not he's going to run more, um, But backing up a little bit, I think this game comes... I do think it comes down to the running game. I also think think it comes down to game planning. I don't expect Clemson to run Watson early on, unless they have to. I mean, I'd say save it for the championship game. You saved it all year long. Um, You know, Jeff Scott, earlier, I think last week, you know, they said that they prefer to keep the threat of Watson running in their back pocket. They've done that all the year. They don't want him to run. They don't want to run him just to run him. So... I think we focus first on getting Wink Gallman established in the running game. And if we can get that moving and that's sufficient, then, yeah, you don't need Watson to run. Now, um, if it gets to the point the stakes are higher than they have been in any game this year, yeah, if it gets to the point where the the running game's not getting there and it's affecting the passing game, yeah, you have to open up with with Watson. Uh, And I think that's where the game planning comes into it. I disagree with you. Uh, I, I like the thought of telling
0: them uh, as a coach to tell the Ohio State team publicly, yeah, we're going to you know, keep that in our back pocket. Throw that out the window. He's going to be involved in the running game from the first series, and I think you'll probably see even see a deep ball. Script the I- first play call. Watson run? play action yeah, yeah I think there's 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 going to be play action there's going to be zone reads um, there's going to be a lot of misdirection they want to give them as much to think about as they possibly can uh, including a, a, like I said maybe a deep ball uh, maybe not in the first series but uh, at some point point. and I think you got to do that and not not because we need it to win I think it, it definitely helps our offense hit, hit our potential but you got to keep their minds occupied as much as you can because then other stuff opens up because of that um you kind of saw it a little bit against Oklahoma last year, but they just couldn't stop the run. Well,
2: and you, I mean, period. Is so, part of that because you don't trust this offensive line and Clemson running game enough to, to get going by themselves without Watson running? If you if you would have seen different, differently this season where Clemson got off hot in several games running the ball well, would you be less hesitant to hold that back from Watson?
0: Yeah, and you mentioned it earlier. You said offensive line doesn't miraculously, you know, injuries aside, they don't miraculously get better. But ours did last year. They got a little bit better, and that was because, well, we, did, we had an extra running back in the backfield that we weren't using during the regular season, that's Deshaun Watson. So it not only makes Wayne Gallman probably one to two yards better per carry, in my opinion, um, with more potential of a breakaway run, but it also gives Deshaun Watson, I mean, he, he really is so good at finding that little crease, five or six yards. It makes us really, really hard
1: to defend. And you don't
0: have to rely on a deep ball or the home run every
1: time. Also, I think the only quarterback with running ability that Ohio State's faced all year was Baker Mayfield. He's not necessarily a dual-threat quarterback, though. I mean, I think he's a guy that can scramble as needed. Uh, but they, Ohio State did contain Baker Mayfield on the ground. Um, I think they were playing lo- with a, a pretty big deficit most of that game anyway. So kind of changes the complexion of their offense. But yeah, I don't think we've seen this offense being able to con- you know, shut down a quarterback of this, this caliber or this talent.
0: Right, it's always good to look for uh, comps, and you really can't find one. Yeah. Mayfield's close, but uh, I also think in the trenches, um, for one, Ohio State's really good. They're really good. They're really good at they, haven't,
2: they haven't allowed 30 more points this year as a defense.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to find anything comparable for them, and you know that they whatever they have on the field, it will there, there's talent there. It's going to be tough. Everything's going to be a grind, so you have to execute. Um, you you got to run. You got to throw everything at them and keep them thinking.
2: Yeah, it can't be like the pit game where we rely on the where we have to go to relying on the pass. Watson passing fifty something times. I mean, this is a much better team than Pitt. We have to be balanced on offense. One way or the other, whether it's Wayne Gallman or it's Deshaun Watson running the football, we have to establish a run game to balance the passing game. And If
0: there is a book out on us, um, you saw it in the Virginia Tech matchup. They made an adjustment. We were moving very methodically down the field. Everything was scripted. And give Tony Elliott credit for that. I I think maybe maybe something he needs to work on as a coordinator would probably be adjusting to adjustments made against him. But initially, he's, look at the first-quarter scoring margin. We're killing teams, and that's because he, he comes in knowing what to do. It's just that the adjustments are made. And if the book is out on us, it's that I think teams are more content to move a guy in the box and stop our run and make Deshaun Watson uh, pass against man coverage. And I think that they're going to start like that. I, I can't imagine they don't.
1: Critical, I think that we mentioned it in the, the defensive section, that Clemson do get a hot start on offense. Ohio State's number three ranked defense Drops to number twenty-eight in the country in the first quarter of games, um, and Clemson's number ten offense is playing at a number seven ranked clip in the first quarter. I mean, you know it's pretty cliche to be like, let's get out off to a hot start. Um, I think this is where you could see if we win the coin flip, maybe we decide
2: to take the ball on offense first. Absolutely, but there's the key: not only get off to a hot start because Clemson's offense has been doing that this year, but then protect the ball, limit turnovers. This isn't a game that you can win with a minus two, minus three in the turnover margin. Even minus one may be tough. It's a different well, State animal.
1: State does not turn the ball over. We didn't mention that on the JT Barrett side. Yeah, he only has five interceptions all year long. Mm-hmm. And anywhere near
0: as many uh, passing attempts as like Deshaun sure. Watson... And looking at it from on our from our standpoint, I think again, I think they're going to step the box. They're going to say, "Good luck trying to run against us. We got big, lengthy cornerbacks, um, guys that will play in the NFL. We're going to, you know, we're going to go toe to toe with you and, and Mike Williams and uh, Deion Kane and so on and so forth." So I think there's there's a likelihood that there could be a turnover. I would be I'd actually be surprised if there's not at least one passing uh, or one interception. And hopefully hopefully it's not more because I think if you get into that two
1: three interception type mark where we've been in previous games I, we don't win this game looking back at our schedule guys where have you seen teams be effective against Clemson in the run and where have you seen this offense adjust out of that is there a game that sticks out to you it's well it's got to be Virginia Tech I mentioned them earlier um, Florida
0: State they did good they did a, we, we had a lot of success starting off against them they were staying in man the whole time, and I think they had the disruptive line. They had playmakers that could could match us on offense. high State's going to be a, bring a very similar brand. So um, it takes Deshaun Watson to be brilliant, in my opinion. Um, now I won't say brilliant to win the game, but he's got to have moments of brilliance, he, and he can't have those. He definitely can't have the dumb passes. I'm okay if if one on one coverage and he, the ball gets intercepted, but the the my you know the stupid interceptions to the guy that's standing right there
2: those can't happen well listen I've got only one maybe two games left to trust him you know as a Clemson quarterback mm-hmm. so I'm just going to go ahead and do it um he's I, mad he yeah, is yeah, really talk, mad. talk about a guy with a chip on his shoulder you know he mentioned it he you know he said he's and he came out and said that he thought he was still the best player in college football and I don't think that's taking anything away from Lamar Jackson and if the tables are flipped I understand if Louisville fans you know appreciate their guy saying that because I think who, who whomever you pull for uh, whoever the guy is on your team, you want him to have that mentality, and Deshaun Watson has that mentality. Um, so I, I do I know that he's going to come in poised in this game, and even if he does have an interception, it's not going to rattle him.
0: Yeah, and I, one of the most compelling subplots of this game, and, and I can think of in Clemson history, uh, at least you know now that we're playing at this level, is Deshaun Watson's psyche, how mad he is, and we feel like he's calm and and poised and, and he's composed during the game. Will he? spiral a little bit is it too much and that, i'm wondering if it's gone too far where he's been he feels really disrespected in a lot of in a lot of ways and, in, and rightfully so um on on some levels but does it go too far or does he put all of this anger and this vengeance that he hopes to to, you know, to, to, to gain does he put that into film prep into his focus and sees remain calm and cool to sean Watson? and i think if he does
2: he's going to go down in clemson lore he already will but it, it'll,
0: it'll take it to his His legend to a new
2: status. I think knowing his psyche that we can safely say that that's probably the route that he ends up going. I mean, he has shown us uh, all signs point into that direction other than him kind of letting things get out of hand in his head. Can I make something comparable?
0: Uh, Tebow back in 2008 when they won the national championship against Oklahoma. uh, Bradford actually was – Sam Bradford for Oklahoma was actually the Heisman winner that year. Tebow was pissed. He just took it out on every single DB or linebacker in that game. And I wonder if, if Deshaun can have a similar similar result. But, with, of course, the caveat being it's one thing if you're a running quarterback and you just run some guy over. To, to pass with accuracy, you can't just do that with adrenaline and
2: intensity. Well, and so vengeance. we've been focusing a lot on the run. Now let's talk about him passing. Right. I mean, they've got a great secondary. Um, the yeah, they've allowed 10 touchdowns on the year, and, you know,
1: you know that's less than one per game. Um, they haven't faced any, like, very many high-powered offenses in general, but pretty stingy for a secondary that isn't the strength of this defense. Um, I think you know a lot of people talk about their front as their strength. Um, reading a few of the Ohio State blogs, 11 Warriors and Land Grant Holy Land, it seems to me that you know looking through this, their fans don't really see a huge um, Achilles' heel among the defense, except for the amount of cushion um, that they give to some of the receivers, especially athletic receivers and in our case, like an
2: Artavis Scott. Yeah, let me tell you their Achilles heel. It's called Mike Williams, Artavis Scott, Deion Kane, Hunter Rimfro, Jordan Leggett. They haven't seen a receiving core like this all year long. Now, I, I get it. I know they have a really good secondary, and those guys are going to play in the NFL, but so are all these wide receivers that Clemson has. So Mike Williams is going to be Mike Williams. He's going to have great catches. He's going to have a big game. He's going to have a lot of targets. Aside from that, they have had a lot of trouble covering slot receivers this year. So that's where you look for a guy like Jordan Leggett, Hunter Renfro, even Arctavis Scott sometimes in the slot to break out and have a big game. Doesn't need to be all of them, but could very well be one of them. We've seen Hunter Renfro time and time again. He's going to have a big catch, especially in a game like this. Like, it, it's, it's happened You know, last year. It happened this, this year so far. So, I, you know, I think as good as they've been this year, um, they've only got something like four interceptions in their biggest games when they've played better opponents. So... This will be the best defense we've seen all year, but this is going to be the best offense that they've seen all year.
1: I think something along those lines that gives me confidence in this game is going back to the stats, is uh, Clemson's offensive line performance on passing downs. Uh, Clemson's O-line has the number four best adjusted sack rate in the country, Um, meaning just no matter what, they're protecting Deshaun Watson. And a lot of that does have to do with his awareness and his intelligence in the pocket. You know, evading would be, um, you know, would be sacks, uh, but I think that that the O line can get him enough time to make plays. Um, what I'm curious to see here is if that holds up if we're not establishing the run. You know, can the OC's game plan something for this offense to be able to, you know, move the chains if Gallman and Deshaun are not actually able to gain more than three yards carry. And, and not to be a negative, Nancy, but I, I
0: could see them being effective in like our zone reads where you're you know, you're relying on reading the defensive end. Their defensive ends are so athletic. Uh, I think Hubbard and, and Bosa. Um, I think Holmes is one of the others. Um, just a very guys that can make plays in space. Um, so I think what you said, what would be the alternative? And I, I think, like you said, Ben, I think the uh, guys in the slot, Hunter Renfro, kind of an easy pick, but he's just there. He That, that play against Virginia Tech was you one of the best. you got to pick somebody on the field. <laughs> that was one of my favorite of the seasons. Yeah, you got to pick someone. And uh, I, I think uh, it's it's – something we'll also watch is do do you see a few new wrinkles in the like put it out there you you have you have this much time to
2: add a few new plays things where you could see like an out route or something with with, uh i think the better point though that you made earlier is that we have seen tony elliott adjust after the fact can he make the adjustment to the adjustment in game and i think that's a bigger point that you had earlier or as as like let's not wait till halftime exactly have a backup game plan coming in. If they do this, we do this. Don't just wait for them to react and, and to adjust to what we're doing. What we're doing well, you have a secondary plan of attack because you know you're not going to be able to do the same thing all game long.
1: Well, and I think another physical advantage, very few in this in this matchup between our offense and their defense, but it comes down to the the size and catch pass catching ability of Jordan Leggett. I think that he's something that can be a bit of an axe factor for this offense too. I and mean, I know we're recovering the gamut of
2: talent on this offense, but in my opinion, I think he could be the difference maker. Those are the weapons we have to work with. They can't focus on, yeah, this is a good secondary, but they can't shut down just one receiver. Not on this team.
0: And it's it's the old thing of it's every time we play FSU, it's the playoff last year. When when you're playing against elite talent like this, it's like what are the what are the things that you can fall back on that will that will stand the you know stand up against anything that comes your way? And you know, Jordan Leggett is one of them. Mike Williams would be the other. Um, the question is, can we use find creative ways to get them involved because? Or Remar knows it's coming too.
1: Without a doubt, um, so I think we've covered off on a, a few of the you know would-be narratives that you guys are gonna read about and hear elsewhere. Um, let me take it around the horn again. You know, Deshaun Watson's probably the answer for who we need to be MVP of this offense. Who's maybe the unsung hero that you guys are seeing as you know, the name we're talking about in our recap show has made a huge difference.
0: Uh, I'd love to say the guy that's going like, to throw out the crazy stats um, and, and, and just, wow, I didn't see that coming. Um, but I'm going to go Jordan Luggett, and not for his anything he'll do catching the football. When we when he gets out, I don't know if it's a motivation thing, if it's a preparation thing, but when he goes out and he blocks and he finds his assignment and gets a, a hat on a hat, we become a really tough team to defend. Um, if he I'll look for him blocking throughout the game. And we may never read about it afterwards, but we'll we'll know we'll know if if he uh, if that's the reason that we had success running the ball.
2: I think Artavis Scott is set up for a really big game. Um, you know, they've Ohio State's had a little bit of trouble with a jet sweep this year. You can put uh, uh, Scott in the slot; he can make some plays across the field. So I'm looking for him to have a big game. Even using like, listen, there's enough tape on Hunter Renfro at this point. They're going to have to look out for him. I mean, they're going to have to put a hat on every man uh, catching a ball on this team. Not to mention you know, Deion Kane spelling it at times. So. I I think Artavis Scott. He could be a big X factor in this game, Um, and you know he's a guy. He led Clemson in receptions last season. He's second on the team this year. He's going to get his fair share of targets, Um, and you know with his abilities and speed. Yeah, I think he make a big difference. Who do you have, Tully?
1: How much disrespect is Wayne Gallman going to get until people take him seriously? Well, he's healthy now. So that's that's a that's a huge thing too. Big factor, um, you know, I, he's shown up in big games. He's shown up for the most part all year. You know, I think any, any ails that we've had in the running game, you could point to push on the offensive line. So, you know, I, I think if Gallman has a big game here, it's going to lead to a Clemson victory. We talked about the importance of establishing balance, you know, in our play calling. Um, I, I could see him taking some of the perceived slights, you know, that we, we've heard about, we've read about all year. Um and turning that into
2: motivation for this game, um, I hope it happens. I'll tell you right now, if if Wayne Gallman has a big game, Clemson definitely wins. I mean, I I, I don't see it happening. I mean, another guy we didn't mention, Raquan McMillan, you know, huge at taking away the run on the outside. That kind of forces you up the middle. If Gallman's able to find that and, and he is able to have a big game, we know the passing game is going to be there. That that does it for me.
0: I. Rayquan McMillan, he could be playing. wearing a Clemson uniform right now. He should be. Uh, aside from Clowney, that one of our, our biggest miss uh, in the in the Venable's Dabo era. Um, yeah, that that guy's uh, he's he's nasty. Um, going to Gallman uh, for him, it, it's so much. It seems to depend on other guys and the way we you, schematically we attack the defense for in order for him to have a good game. I feel like he has a good game every game. But uh, again, for him to to break loose and make some plays will be that could be it and. He'll also go down to Clemson Lord as well, right there with Deshaun,
1: if he, can, he, if he can make it happen. And he, just like Leggett, he gives you so much more, you know, maybe that is unsung, you know, for him as a player. He's certainly a much better player in pass protection than Leggett is, uh, but I think that could also come into play here with a very aggressive Ohio State front.
0: Yeah, when Raquan's coming down the middle, uh, it's like it's like a bigger bullware wear and probably faster, so it's it's scary.
1: Guys, before we get into predictions and wrapping this game preview up, just wanted to feel out, um, you know, depending on the, how the, the tempo of this game goes, who do you think has the edge if this this game turns into an offensive slugfest and you really have kind of a barn burner on our hands? I think you know, hot take. I think that that actually favors
0: Ohio State because they're they're controlling the ball with the run game. If that's if that is to be the what happens on the field, and I think for us, again talking about if we're really letting it loose, airing the ball out. I think maybe, maybe we're, we commit a turnover or two, therefore they win in that type of scenario. Uh, if it's a slug fe- or not a, if it's a, a pitcher's duel, or whatever, whatever you want to call it, Defense that might battle. actually, a defensive battle.
2: I may, maybe that favors us a little bit. See, I actually, I actually disagree with that. I think the opposite is true. I think if it's a barn burner, that means that they're having to go to the air more and we're making them play more to our tempo. And if that's the case, I don't think they stand a chance. They're not used to playing in a game like that this year. We are. I I think Clemson becomes the first team to score over 30 on them this year. I know they're a great defense, but they haven't seen an offense like us. I'm with you, Ben, and maybe going back to our
1: Ohio State coaching, kind of what game do they want to see play out? I think they want to grind the ball into dust, and I think they want to win the the time of possession and the field position battle against Clemson. That comes from running the ball, and that comes from, (laughs) hate to bring punters into it, but them having like one of the top punters in the country and Clemson having one of the worst punters in the country.
2: Well, we haven't looked up the stats, but it hasn't been very good for uh, <laughs> Mr. Teasedall. Mr. Tisdale. there. Um, yeah, no, field, again, when it comes to two elite teams, field position does make a big difference. Um, you know, it's not just Tisdale punting. I don't expect him to add five yards to his punts. Maybe his leg's gotten some rest. I don't know, but... Um, I think the main thing for us is in the punting games, not letting it go over our heads, just securing the punt, not giving up extra yardage in that field position game, and then sustaining some drives even if you don't score. And then the other thing is, is Hugo started off the year really well booting the ball in the back of the end zone. He's been coming up short lately. I think given some time off, maybe his legs rested up. If he can start getting it back at the end zone again, middle of the end zone, then that, that'll help too.
1: Cody, though, going back to your, your comment about Ohio State winning in a shootout, I mean, I think maybe your point, you, you fill in here, they have a capable team able to score points in bunches.
0: Right, and if they're doing it by the ground, I'm, I'm always going to trust the run game over uh, You know, uh, the way we aired it out against Pittsburgh, for example, because look at the result of that one. And I just think it, it's more reliable. You know you can get consistent yards, and you know when it comes down to it, you can melt the clock.
1: So if it is a grinded-out 40-plus game like the national championship, uh, Derek Henry made a big difference in that game right at least early on it, he did I guess um yeah well and then again you go down to the when it becomes that kind of 50-50
0: our our high octane offense versus their ground and pound run the ball efficient defense or uh, offense um I think maybe I go to the special teams and maybe a slight edge in coaching pray prove me wrong Dabo this is your time to maybe get in that elite category but right now Urban
1: Meyer is a better coach well, something we haven't mentioned, um, Ohio State has an outgoing defensive coordinator, Luke Fickle. I believe he will be coaching in this game and part of the preparation. They've actually already signed his replacement coming in from the NFL. Uh, you never know what effect an outbound coach will have on you know, keeping control of that locker room on the defensive side, you know, staying focused, etc. A year ago, Kirby Smart seemed to have no problem.
2: With Alabama. Yeah, and when you got a guy like Nick Saban, or in this case, Urban Meyer leading your program, I don't think that's an issue. He's focused on this game. That's why you stay, because you go to win a national championship. But really, when it comes down to it, you know, I, I think this is a Clemson team that's out for revenge. You know, Obviously not out for revenge against Ohio State, and not even necessarily Alabama, but uh, revenge on the hurt and disappointment of last year's loss, and knowing that they had control over the things that lost in the game. Make no mistake, I'm not saying that, that, that Clemson beat Clemson and Alabama didn't because Alabama did beat Clemson. But there were two glaring weaknesses uh, in last year's game that every returning player and coach will tell you fall squarely on this team's shoulders. Um, this team has that bitter taste uh, of what could have been on their lips, and that's something Ohio State doesn't have. Um, everything else across the board, fairly equals equal num- numbers-wise, right? Uh, both teams are young with a lot of talent. But this will be the best offense that Ohio State has faced all year, and I think they're in uh, for a rude awakening with Clemson's defensive line. That combined with Clemson's experience of having made it last year, um, I think that's the difference that Clemson wins the game.
1: Yeah, I believe looking at the numbers, Ohio State's offense has faced two or three marquee top 20 defenses. Clemson's faced at this point, I believe, five. So I think when you go to who's faced whom, you know maybe you give an edge to Clemson there um vegas certainly favors the buckeyes i think we've we've rattled off a number of reasons why um clemson could be stopped ohio state could get the edge but i I got faith in the tigers here guys um i don't know if we're ready to do predictions but we'll do those friday we'll tweet them out friday all right i gotta say uh I, i came into this uh
0: what two weeks ago and i thought we would win. I, I wouldn't have said two touchdowns. I feel like we're, we might be two touchdowns better. I did at that point. We never win by two touchdowns against elite teams. That's just not, that's not our style, but I did think we, w- we were better than them. Uh, I watched them a little bit, a uh, little bit of film, some against elite competition. And uh, they, they, they look really good on film uh, athletes all over the field. Um, it's going to be a very tough task. And I almost want to call it a 50, 50 at this point, flip a flip a coin. Deshaun Watson had the ball at the end. Or does Urban Meyer have, Urban Meyer have control? And that could, be, that could be it.
1: Cool. Well, by the time our game kicks off, we will know the results of the football match going on in Atlanta. That will be Alabama against Washington. Um, we won't dwell too much on this matchup. I encourage you guys to go back and listen to the Podstravaganza show. We had some Alabama and Washington representation on the podcast. Those guys laid out their cases for their respective teams. Um, it was definitely fun to hear from them. But, um, guys, maybe just to get a quick quick question across,
2: how does Washington pull this upset? Alabama turns the ball over and Washington rattles Jalen Hurts, uh, freshman quarterback. I think that's it. Otherwise, you know, the, the question I'm asking myself, and perhaps, and this is kind of like when Ohio State beat Alabama a few years ago, Nobody gave Ohio uh, State a, a fighter's chance in that game, and it's kind of how nobody is giving Washington a chance in this game, especially off because of what Alabama did against Michigan State last year. Do I think that this uh, that Alabama winning this game would be is going to be as bad as their win over Michigan State last year? No, I think that was an anomaly, and honestly, didn't think Michigan State was that good. Should have been in the playoff, kind of like when Notre Dame went to the national championship game. Uh, several years ago I think Washington is a much better team than that um, I've seen them play in a, you know a couple times this year they played really well against Colorado um, but I just don't think they have what it takes Alabama is that good of a team
0: yeah I mean I hate to say in the trenches because that used to be an SEC thing You're, you just don't have it in the trenches but Clemson of all programs should know the reason we are where we are right now is because we started recruiting defensive linemen and offensive linemen. And no other reason. Our skilled players are not that much better than they were 10 years ago. But now we're competing for national championships. Uh, Look at Washington. And uh, our our good friend Dan, the guy, the the podcast intro creator, uh, Washington grad, he said all of our guys in the secondary will play in the NFL. And and we're like, well, yeah, that's great. We've had plenty of times in, in Clemson history where we've had guys went on to play in the NFL but it didn't matter if you can't get a pass rush if you can't you know make make tackles for a loss
2: and I just don't see that happen I don't see any way Washington can can really impose their will and and not get dominated in the trenches yeah come talk to me when your offensive line and defensive line is going to the NFL um the Browns drafted Danny Shelton in the first
1: round who Washington defensive tackle nose guard the Browns who the Browns baby big winners this weekend um, yeah, going back to, I guess, what, what was said about Alabama's weaknesses from the bulldozer, he sees weaknesses happening in turnovers in the, the zone read option or the read option and on special teams as well. Um, they have an issue with a punter and a place kicker. You know, if it does come down to two, three missed field goals, um, John Ross getting a run back you know, to put his team in really good field position throughout the day or potentially scoring a touchdown – I think Washington can keep it close. Could be a crazy game. This Alabama team hasn't played with a ton of adversity either. You know, they they believe they're already crown champs, in my opinion. So, um, you know, we'll see how they respond. But, I mean, if you're forcing me to place a bet, it's all on Bama. Yeah, and I think we've
0: talked about this in our text group. Is there any scenario where if if it's a close game, Washington wins, but in in other simulations, it's probably Bama by a long stretch or by by a wide margin? I don't know. I, I can't see it being a close game where Alabama squeaks it out is what I'm saying.
1: Right. Um, well, you know, knowing that we have aspirations of beating Ohio State, we will probably face Alabama. What in particular are you you're going to be looking for in this game as you're
2: tailgating or preparing for, for the Clemson game? Anything from the Bama side that you want to get a closer look at? I don't want to see them dominate them like they did to Michigan State last year. I'd like to see a much closer, closer game. Um, and, and start to dissect... Can Washington expose some weaknesses on Alabama's team? Because nobody in the SEC has been really successful at that this year. And one of those weaknesses is their young quarterback in that offense. Yes, he's played exceptional, especially for a true freshman, but – you know he is a true freshman. I think if you can rattle him and figure out a way to do that, create some turnovers, that's what I'm going to be looking for. Yeah, and
0: that defense has gift wrapped some really nice uh, fill positions for him throughout the season, in a lot of a lot of situations where he did not have to have. He, where he had no pressure on him because the, there was already a two touchdown game like you said yeah, they're scoring on special teams defense
1: every single game
0: right and all, like you said all we can take from it i think is adversity if they face a little adversity um do they rattle a little bit and that's that's about it i i
1: think yeah i mean alabama's defense generally is designed to flipping it around a bit um i think washington does have a lot of playmaker talent on offense and bama's defense designed to stop the run i think it'll be interesting to see can chris peterson find ways to manufacture something going in the run game that clemson can learn from or are they able to you know at
2: least hold up and get the ball out from jake browning out to his talented receivers that's a good point this is a different type of offense that alabama will be facing so how they adjusted that now nick saban's had a month to figure it out so there you go but Mm. it'll be interesting to watch A 10 year uh, anniversary now for Boise State beating
0: Oklahoma in that. I can't remember what bowl it was, but I think we all know it's Fiesta. Fiesta. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be some magic, but I think almost think it's that level of. Actually, I think the the spread was actually more in this game than it was back 10 years ago, but I I think it'll take that same kind of magic.
1: Boise was a seven point underdog in that game. I mean, it was a. It beat the spread by eight or whatever it was in that game, but. So, um, do we see a Statue of Liberty play in this game?
2: Over I, under? Like uh, four there will be. Statue of there Liberty will be. Plays. Trick plays. One
1: hundred percent. Just a matter of. What do they have to lose? How early? Exactly. Um, well, that wraps it up in terms of the bowl preview stuff, guys. Um, should be an amazing weekend coming up. Make sure you tune in Friday night for the Orange Bowl. I think that's going to be probably the best non-playoff game on the on the slate um, throughout the weekend. Um, maybe a last football note. Looks like Clemson signed a recruit, Trevor Lawrence. What position does he play, Cody? I think he's a running back, Ben. Oh, I thought he was a cornerback.
0: No, I don't, he's got long hair. I think he's, he's really good. Five-star. Girls think he's cute. <laughs> Girl, Yeah, the girls are very happy about this one. Five-star quarterback. We got another one in 2018. Um I still like hold a uh, reserve a little bit of my uh, you know for like Clemson board like message boards TigerNet is blowing up um, with the signing and I guess I guess rightfully so um, we look at it as a statement in a way like hey we're going to be good not just you know next year and you know five years from now but for me uh, I I want to wait a little bit I think Hunter Johnson I'm still I'm thrilled with what he'll bring and I think he's I, he's just as good as anybody we've ever in- recruited including Deshaun Watson in terms of high school senior talent. Um, but with Trevor Lawrence, I mean, there, there, there's talk of him being a generational talent. Um, the pocket presence, the, the accuracy on the passes, six foot six frame, Peyton Manning clone, that, that type of talk, uh, maybe hyperbole, but you don't hear that very often.
1: Well, one of the things I thought about, too, I, I hope and I believe he will pan out for Clemson. He may not start as a freshman, though. And, you know, kind of a game theory aspect, he signs with us, he's not signing with, Another rival in the region who's then able to recruit away from us at other positions. Um, so I think this is this goes beyond that signing to a big impact.
0: Great point, because like with Hunter Johnson as a great example of hey, you get with us early and you become you know a, a, a pitch He's guy a for yeah.
1: yeah a recruiter for,
0: for these other guys and hey and these guys see that five star the number one player in the class is going there. Well now we're in the in the running you're, with Samir White, number a four one star
1: back. five star O lineman in the southeast. Where do you want to go play? You want to go play in front of Hunter Johnson, Trevor Lawrence, right? That's right.
0: Great. No, that's a great point. And uh, now you're talking about Samir Wright running back and, and Xavier Th- Xavier Thomas um, down in Florida now uh, as a number one defensive end. So it, I think it says a lot, and it does. It doesn't. I, I want to see it working out like this perfect. You know, two years, two or three years of Hunter Johnson, and then two years of. Of Hunter Lo- or Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if we'll see that, but I, this is not, make no mistake, this is not Kyle Parker and, and, uh, help me out here, guys. Uh, Burns quarterback. Willie Korn. Willie Corn. Like, those guys were good. This is two Deshaun Watsons that we just are, got committed to Clemson. Hey,
2: all I got to say, watch out for Zarek Cooper. I keep saying his name. Watch out <laughs> for him. He's good. He's good. He's going to be Clemson Tommy. starter day one next
1: year. 2017 against Auburn. Watch it. Um, awesome signing you know National Signing Day is coming up in about a month a little less than that right so um, it's coming up a lot of coverage we'll be keeping a close eye on here beginning of February a little over a month coming up soon Um, we'll be on it lastly enough football turns out Clemson has
2: a basketball team and they're playing pretty well yeah, it turns out that way. Clemson basketball nine and two on the season just had a big sixty-two to sixty win over uh, uh, number twenty-two South Carolina. That was the, actually the first one ever over a non-conference uh, ranked opponent on the road. Now, it turns out Clemson has not played a lot of uh, non-conference ranked opponents on the road, but still, you know, it's. Tim, a, I, I tweeted at Tim
1: Barrett. He did not respond back, but he was
2: responding to others. It looks like that was our tenth such game against ranked non-conference opponents. So one and nine. There we go. Uh, yeah, Clemson wins that game despite poor shooting, including at the line, uh, and then also had an uncharacteristic amount of turnovers. And Shelton Mitchell struggled. He had six turnovers all year coming into the game, had seven in that game. So for Clemson to go in there on the road, hostile environment, and be able to pull that one out in a really physical game, that that, uh, that says a lot. It's a big credit to Coach Brenell and the talent on this basketball team. So uh, moving forward... Uh, this team has one more out of conference game coming up against uh, UNC Wilmington on Wednesday. People don't understand that th- that is a huge game. Uh, number one, UNC Wilmington is 11 and one on the season. Um, I don't care who you are, that's a really good record. So people need to get out there, support the team, get to that game. The other reason it's big is because Clemson could go 10 and two uh, with o- with losses only to number 11 Xavier, to uh, then 11 Xavier and uh, Oklahoma, which that's a pretty damn good out-of-conference resume right there. Um, you got some wins on the road against some SEC teams. That sets you up big for going into conference play And Clemson. Under Brownell has actually played pretty darn well in conference. First game in conference coming up against a decent Wake team. I don't think that tells us a lot win or lose unless we dominate them and a win there. Um, but the game after that. Uh, home against North Carolina. They're ranked number eight right eight right now. I think that tells us definitively where this team is at. Um, so it's going to be exciting to watch. Two more games till we get there. Got to win, you know, the next one in front of you. But this next three game stretch, we're gonna have a lot to get excited about uh, Clemson basketball. I think.
1: Well, it looks like Elijah Thomas is now starting to get some playing time with Clemson. Um, ben, why why again was he sitting out the first few games?
2: Uh, well, so he. Was at Texas A&M last year as a freshman, saw a bunch of talented big guys in front of him, so transferred after the first semester. Uh, so he joined us. He had to sit out the the year. Period. But since it was at this school year, right, point, he gotcha. got to to join us. So he's played two games now, and I think he had 14 points against South Carolina. Yeah, he's going to get playing time just because Jate is as, as good as he's become. He fouls out a lot, or he's he's in foul trouble all the time. That's Clemson's biggest weakness. On this team this year is um, no, they don't have a dominant big man. Well, just, I mean, he's a top fifty recruit, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Shot if, in his, the arm. if his offensive game can develop, and uh, you know, between him and Jate if Legend Robertson can come on later in the season. Um, that's gonna be huge. from from yeah, from guard play. This team looks really really good. Yeah, I was. I saw Thomas and he looks like the
0: first skilled big man I've seen in, in a little in a little while at Clemson. You've always talked about Jete Noko and the foul trouble they've had for so long. It's part of it because they're just athletes. They're big guys that uh, that are playing center. But Thomas is a he's 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 not a crazy good athlete. He plays a little bit below the rim, but good player. Back uh, back of the basket type game uh, and is a
2: is a. You know, crafty rebounder too. You know what's he's going to be the start. He's going to be a starter before long. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. You know what's been encouraging about him? Uh, all the news coming in was that his motivation was suspect, and all the images of him showed him a bit overweight. He looks to be in really good shape, and he's played really well so far. So, you know, he he's got a great coach in Brad Brownell. He's got out of the state of Texas. I know that was one of his reasons uh, for wanting to transfer to Clemson to, to be in a good spot. It's just just like these guys in the football program. It's a it's a great place to develop as a young man in in this environment. Um, You know, I I think we really scored one big with him. These transfers have been huge. We talked about the other ones, Milchell, Reed, Avery Holmes. Um, This is the talent that that Clemson has needed for quite some time. And you're going to see, you know, the fruits of that labor uh, come out this year. I'm expecting not just get into this tournament, I'm expecting a couple of tournament wins this year, barring injury. Sweet 16, you heard it first.
1: That's assuming we don't get a play in game. <laughs> we always get the play in game. <laughs> we so tend the, to. the fourth round is now the sixth right, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, good stuff. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. This has been our Fiesta Bowl preview, plus a little bit of extra stuff for you guys. So I um, hope you enjoyed. Tell a friend. We appreciate the word of mouth, You know, getting, getting the podcast name out there. Um, hope you all have a lot of fun watching this playoff game. Let's bring home a win. And as always, go Tigers.
0: Tonight was, listen, we give you scholarships. We give you, uh, you know, stipends and meals and a place to live. We give you nice uniforms. I can't give you guts, and I can't give you heart. And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they
1: brought some guts and some heart.